Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. I'm your host Patrick, and this is the recap episode. The last two of these that we've done, it's usually been me and Nick, but this time it's just me. Um, whew, it's been a fun season, a pretty long season. I typically do like 10 episodes, but I also have a rule that says if really cool people want to be on the podcast, I won't say no. So that's sort of how this podcast came to be, or at least this season did. But needless to say, it's been really, really fun. Um, yeah, jeez, I don't know if if I could, if I needed to sum up this season and all of our guests, everything we've discussed, all the conversations that were had, all the insights that we derived, it would I'd probably sum it with one word, which is experience. It's almost as if every episode had a similar story of like this premise of, well, I guess a few premises. Uh, having perspective on your work and what you do. We don't dig ditches for a living. Um, we're not doing manual labor. We're sitting cushy chairs in nice offices with state-of-the-art machines, and we work that way. Another part of it is uh, commitment, committing to our craft, committing to get better, uh, committing to evolve and, and, and bring value, like positive value to our industries. And I think the last one is, is uh, who said this? I think... Ben Howdell and uh, Carolina Storr said this. Well, they both said it in their own ways. Saying yes before you can say no. Which, those three things, I think, are very, very key this season. There's a few more, and I'll talk about some of the other ones. But, um, you know, I don't know anyone. Rather, let me, let me rephrase it. I haven't met anyone who said that they've learned something in web development or in design by reading a book. Sure. That's probably influenced some of their work. It's probably helped educate them on concept or strategy or um, an implementation of how to use tools. But to get better at code, to write more semantic HTML, to write more modular CSS, to write more uh, object-oriented or functional programming, you have to do it. You can read about it all you want, but you actually have to do. And what's interesting in this season was that that is what a lot of people did. You know, um, Ben took on jobs, projects rather, freelance projects. He didn't know everything about, but he said yes and he figured it out. And he always made it work. Carolina Storr, she said yes to giving talks when she's never done that before. And it wasn't anything that she was like looking to do. Someone offered it. She said yes. She did her first one. Wasn't as good as the talks are now, but she started somewhere. Claudina Sarahi, she left college and moved to Portland and started her career in web development, proper career in web development. She was doing it before then. Again, she just got up and went. Um, Carl Stanton, he started working on the web in a, I guess, more professional manner when he was like 15. He just did it. He didn't think about it. It was a part of who he was. And I think what makes it a part of who he is, Carl and, and Laura Hogan, Jen Masari, um, Justinia Cruz, Kenny Cummings, Andrew Norcross, all of them, Dan Maul. The reason it's a part of who they are, it's not so much that the web is a part of who they are, but it's that they're makers and that they they don't make excuses, right? They all understand that in order to create something, you have to do something. It's not planning. It's not designing until everything's pixel perfect. It's not crafting a strategy that, that calls for every scenario. It's getting it to a point where it's good enough to help you move forward. And then iterating on that and iterating on that and iterating on that. It's the premise of progress, right? Or 
becoming better for the future. Like I think, you know, when you think about, uh, and this is like super random, but when you think about the, 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 the idea of the future or the idea of progress, neither one of those are, are destination, they're direction. And it's very clear that the guests from this season, whether they know that intentionally or just understand that internally, subconsciously, it's definitely something that they're doing. Andrew Norcross is a perfect example. When I met Andrew, and you guys, you've heard, you've listened to the episode. If you haven't, it's a fantastic one. But when I met Andrew, he was coding, you know, 18 hours a day. And it wasn't, it was for two reasons. It was because he needed to learn it and he liked it. And it wasn't a book. It wasn't like, oh, I'm working too much. He just thoroughly enjoyed this shit. So, you know, you've got a group of people that are motivated by curiosity, by interest, by genuine love of what they do, coupled with commitment, with perseverance, with perspective. And you basically end up with this this entire cast of season three of The Start. Fantastic people. I'm so glad I had them on. A lot of them. Let me see. I'm looking at the list now. Hmm. One. So Carl Stanton, Jen Masari, Carolina Store, sort of. Keenan Cummings, sort of, Andrew Norcross, definitely, Dan Moss, sort of, are people that I knew every, and when I say no, it, it was an acquaintance or very light conversation on Twitter. Andrew Norcross, um, I've known him since I was in college. He's a fantastic guy. Other than that, these are a bunch of people that I've admired from afar, and I've been very honored and thankful to be able to speak with them throughout this season, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Okay, enough of me chatting about that stuff. So, like, you know, when, you, when we're talking about topics that came up, another topic that I noticed that came up was life outside of the industry. Our, our industry is fantastic. Um, it's probably one of the few where a lot of people genuinely do it because they love to do it. The unfortunate part though, and there's always an unfortunate part in everything, is that our industry sometimes breeds a negative ideology of your designer, you love the design, so that means you should be designing in your spare time. Your developer, you love development, you love programming, so you should be programming in your spare time. And while that's great, um, that's not everybody. Actually, you know, the interesting thing is talking with all these people, very few of them actually do that. Some of them do, um, and I think that's fair, and, and they find ways to integrate their what they do professionally into what they do non-professionally, and they do it pretty well. But there's also like this understanding with some, um, I guess the only way to think about it is rebelling against that idea. Jen Masari and I talked about it a lot, like this idea that because you work in design that you need to be designing all the time or that everything you you do needs to come from design is a very unhealthy one. It actually, in her opinion, well, in our opinion collectively, um, leads to burnout. And it's a really unrealistic expectation. Carolina Storr, we talked about just it's a term, I'm making up this term. I'm not making it up. I don't know if it ever existed, but I'm using it. Like digital overdosing, you know, um, putting down our phones, closing our computers, uh, taking out our headphones, just removing ourselves from digital content and, and the digital world and and putting ourselves back into the real world with people around us, reading books, tangible analog things. Um, and that's something I think we all do. You know, I recently... By the time you've heard this, hopefully it'll be like a month or two that I've removed Facebook, the Facebook app off of my iPhone, which is not huge, right? Like I didn't quit Facebook. I didn't go live in the woods, but it's a small step for me. I used to, Facebook was like my security blanket. Not that I was really involved, but the idea of opening something and just scrolling for the sake of scrolling in an area I wasn't familiar with 
was comforting. And I've removed that because I realize how unimportant it is, how unvaluable it is, and how much of a, a detriment really it is to living in one of the greatest cities in the country, New York. Like, fuck, man. I live in a fantastic neighborhood. I've got great friends, and it's the summer. Well, when I'm recording this, it's the summer. I got no reason to be fucking around on Facebook in the park. I should be rolling around in the grass, playing catch with my girlfriend or barbecuing with friends or whatever. Not looking at a screen that I already have to look at eight hours a day because of work. And I think that's the same for everybody. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to create a movement or be the catalyst for a, a charge in any direction, but I think one thing's clear from these episodes is that there's a lot of people who feel that way, or at least some of our guests do. Um, and it's okay to feel that way, to to want to put down the computer and go play basketball, go play any sport, go for a walk or a run, or just do something with people that doesn't involve electronics, unless it's like an electric grill, that's okay. But do something that doesn't mean that you've got an LED backlit screen in your face for 90% of your day. Just do something that involves other people, that involves human connection and human interaction in the world. And as far as I understand, it sounds like, you know, for me, it's, it's made my life better. I'm more productive at work. I have a better relationship with my girlfriend and my friends. Um, and I'm experiencing a lot more, at least I feel like it, you know? It's like you notice that it's beautiful outside versus noticing that some stupid shit happened on Facebook. Um, the other thing that sort of stems from that, you know, when you when you talk about real life experiences, is that we've all had them. Typically, at least our age group has. You know, if you're talking about a, a kid who's 16 now, it might be a little bit different. But a lot of the guests from this season all had interesting personal experiences when they were younger. I'll use uh, Clarina Sarai. She speaks French. Um, we didn't get into why she speaks French or how she learned it, but she knows it. And she was able to leverage that to help her get a job. One of her first jo- professional experiences in design and development was in Portland. And it's because she knew French. Carl Stanton, he's the uh, director of engineering or one of the directors of engineering, a huge. Carl was a DJ all the while coding. Um, and you've heard in the episode, he he and I'm saying this for dramatic effect, turned his back on programming to go you know, lead a life in the music industry as a DJ in Australia. And he did really fucking well for himself. And he's been doing that his whole life. But it's, you know, it's interesting. I don't know. You've got Andrew Norcross, who's another one. Love that guy. He's great. I strongly suggest you listen to that episode. But Norcross worked in finance and then got into web development. And what's interesting is for a lot of our guests, and I'd like to argue and say for a lot of individuals in our industry, design or development. FYI, I say our industry, design and development to me is basically one thing. Because me as a programmer, I rely on designers. And designers, unless they're a unicorn, they probably rely on programmers to build their their design as I am relying on them to make my development build look good. So for all intents and purposes, our industry is those industries collectively. Anyways, everyone sort of just fell into this industry. I mean, I would argue and say that design separate from development might be a little bit more, and I'm using this with air quotes, traditional path. But a lot of programmers didn't go to school for programming. A lot of designers didn't go to school for design, or they didn't go to school for the web design, the UI design that they're doing today. 
um, partly because that wasn't around. Also because it just wasn't an interest at the time. And it's it's just, I don't know, it's really interesting to me to really think about our industries. Um, most people are self-taught. Most people fall into it. And most people love what they do. There's very few industries in which those three things are true. So it's, you know, it's nice. It's nice to think that we are privileged. You know, we get to sit in probably some kind of an Eames or really fancy ergonomic chair that makes sure our back doesn't get all jacked up. We sit in really nice offices in probably really good parts of the town that we all live in. We work on really cool projects for the most part. We get paid pretty well. And we do what we love for a living. That's, that's, that's what our job is. And we're bitching about, you know, I don't know, fonts and shit. And we work on some of the best machines money can buy with the best tools you can imagine. And that's our life. You know, when you take it in perspective, it's, it's pretty fucking sweet. And the crazy thing is that we fell into it, or a lot of us did. It was strictly out of interest, curiosity, joy, uh, and like taking on a challenge, which is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, I don't know, this, not sentimental, but really makes me uh, count my blessings, if you will, you know, thinking about what I do and what we do. Yeah, man, whew, it was a good season. There was, however, some downside to the season. So this was the first season that I've done myself. Um, I mentioned this at the beginning of the first episode, I believe, but my co-host, Nick, decided he wanted to focus on some other things, which, you know, he totally can and do whatever you want. Um, I told him he would be missed, and I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do it on my own. It was hard. It was very challenging. This was the first time that I've planned the guests, scheduled the episodes, recorded the episodes, led conversations all by myself. Nick was there. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a two-man show in the past. And then even did some editing. Uh, I actually have a fantastic podcast editor, Aaron Dowd. He is the podcast guy, and he has a podcast called The Podcast Guy, or The Podcast Dude. I'll link it in the show notes. But he's he edits my podcast, and I'm thankful for him, because otherwise you guys would never hear these episodes, because it would take me light years to edit them. But needless to say, I've done it all myself. Uh, email marketing, the weekly email messages, all the social media stuff. And it's it's hard. I think part of the... Re- I th- well, let me let me get into good parts. I think there's ways I can fix it. What Nick and I used to do is we would, and we still do this, and I don't know how anyone else does it. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts. Please tell me if you think my methodology is valuable to the show or if it's a detriment to the show. Basically, what Nick and I did and what I do now is we would pre-schedule everybody. Since we do seasons, we can do that. We know that we want to get about 10 guests plus a recap, so it's 11 episodes, which will last 11 weeks. So we pre-plan, we pre-schedule all the episodes up front And we typically bulk record. So in one month, we'll record all the episodes, usually on the weekend because that's when people are free. Some guests need to do it, like Dan Maul had to do it in the evening on a weekday because his kids go to bed earlier, which is totally fine. It all worked out. Um, So we bulk record. And then what Nick and I were doing is we would go back later and record the intro separately. I still record the intro separately. Um, That has become a detriment for me. Partly because the content, the conversation, and then, you know, afterwards the content isn't as fresh. And I think that's what's eating up a lot of time or has eaten up a lot of time. So I think for season four, I'm going to switch it up. And I should have done this from the beginning. But same thing, 
bulk record all the episodes and then leave some time between guests and recordings to record the intro. Uh, part of the reason why we record the intro separately is because we've got audio that goes in. In the beginning, we sort of also did that. Uh, actually, now I remember. The reason why we recorded intros at a later date was for the opportunity of sponsorships. It would be hard otherwise to squeeze a sponsor into a pre-recorded intro or outro um, if it was already done. So we did it preemptively in hopes of sponsors. Sponsor thing hasn't really worked out. To be honest, I haven't really reached out to anybody. So, and it's not something I really care about. I do this because I like it, because I like hanging out with with everyone, with the guests, hanging out with listeners. Um, but yeah, so I think for season four, I'm going to try and record the intros right after the conversations, because then it's fresh in my mind. And that actually fixes up two aspects. Uh, the third one that I got to figure out the content, right? So every week, there's an, if, if you're not on the email list, get on the email list, because that's a direct link to the episode. And it comes out a lot earlier. That's the first piece of content, or it's the first time that the episode link goes live anywhere. Uh, you'll get it there before you get it in your podcast. Um, so if you aren't on there, subscribe. Anyways, I write those as well. So what I'm hoping is I can sort of get all that done in one shot. Maybe pre-write some some Twitter content. Maybe like you know tweets that intro the episode with the with the future soon to be link and audio because that's stuff I do on the fly now. But I notice that on the fly, I don't give it enough attention as I need to or as I feel like I should. So I'm hoping if I can do all that around the time that I record the content, then it'll make one for better content. And two, we'll have less delays. This season we had one or two weeks where I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, release an episode because I didn't have stuff ready. And it was because I didn't have the content ready or because I, I didn't record the intro yet. So it's totally on my fault. And it it ruins this. That doesn't ruin the season, but you know, if you're Jones in for an episode and you don't get it that week, it sort of stinks, and it's my fault. So I'm gonna try to fix that. The ups for next season: um, more guests. I've got a few ideas as to who I'm getting for next season. You know, it's interesting. I I try to balance with the quote unquote well known names. So. A lot of people know who Dan Mall is. A lot of people know who Randy Hunt is. A lot of people know who Jen Masari is. And I'm, I'm I want to find a balance, right? Like I don't, and I'd love your your input on this as well. But I do not want to have a podcast with all the same people as other podcasts, right? Like I don't want it to be just the heavy hitters. I don't want it to be a podcast that is basically the same exact guests as every other web design, web development podcast out there. I don't want that at all. Uh, I want variety. I think in our industry, variety is what makes our work great. And that's what's going to make this podcast great. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out the balance of people who are more established in the industry uh, not to say that their work is better because that isn't always the case, but balance the more established with the less established, and hopefully bring some new designers and developers in the light. You know, I, I've I've personally got a running list of people that I want to reach out to, whose people whose work I admire. I just like, man, they got really cool work. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. But you know, I think that's all I got. Um, a few articles I really liked. That I guess, and I'll end on this note. Uh, three articles I really liked was the Gap. Um, it's not an article; it's a video. It's by Ira Glass. It talks about and this this 
video and this concept actually came up a few times. Talks about the gap between um, when you first get started and when you're young in your career and how you just keep making stuff and it continuously just doesn't look good enough or as Ira Glass says, it just looks like crap and you know it looks like crap and there's a gap, right? From making work that looks like crap, you know it looks like crap and then there's a gap and then there's you making work that looked like crap that you know how to fix and you fix and now it's great. So there's that gap in between and the premise of it is that the only way you get over that gap is by continuing to make stuff. And I think that's very true. Love that article. The other article is the McDonald's theory. Um, the premise is when you are with a group and everyone's throwing out ideas, but no idea is ever good enough. It's because there's some hypothetical version of quality that everyone's striving for. So the author, I forget the author's name, but what the author proposes is mentioning the lowest level of quality. So in this case, McDonald's. So if you and your friends are trying to figure out where you want to go to eat and you're like, oh, I want to go to Wilma Jeans. No, I don't want fried chicken. How about Verde? No, Verde is Italian. And then somebody's like, how about McDonald's? And everyone's like, heck no, McDonald's is disgusting. Instead of McDonald's, we can go here, we can go there, we can go where. Basically, it sets the bar really low. That way you can incrementally get better. And I think it's a really, really smart idea. Um, And I've actually used it a few times in meetings and it was really effective. The last article that I'll bring up is by, let's find her. She's the design director of Facebook. Uh, Julie... Zoe, I think is how you pronounce her last name. I could be messing it up. She goes by Joe Lee on Twitter. She's J-O-U-L-E-E. But she wrote an article called Junior Designers versus Senior Designers. And the premise of it talks about essentially growth um, some, for some examples. Um, the, idea of a pro, uh, the idea is that like if you're new in the industry as a junior designer, and honestly, you could replace designer with any other profession, and it still ranks true. You think there is one right answer for a problem. Senior designer realizes that there's multiple right answers. You just need to find the one that's most right for you. Junior designer tries to force a design solution. Senior designer works on a variety of solution, puts it down, takes a break, comes back, reworks it with fresh eyes, fresh hands, fresh brain, everything. And it talks about the the characteristic the characteristics and the different traits between those two, which I think is is always interesting when you try to reflect on your career, right? Like uh, Justinia Perez-Cruz talks about the gray box method, which was uh, explained to her by a coworker, Jason Santa Maria. Um, and basically all that means is like, when you're making a website, when you're making any web layout, start with gray boxes because the content doesn't matter. What you're looking for at first is, is a layout, right? Is it a passive layout? Is it active layout? Is there enough going on? Is there enough balance and hierarchy? And then you layer stuff on. And that's something that only a senior designer or senior whatever really understands that it's a slow process and you have to build on it and build on it and build on it. Um, but yeah, so those are the few articles that I figured I'd share with you that I think were definitely key to this season. With that, I guess I'll uh, see everyone in season four. Um, between now and then, I'd ask that a few things, and we've said this in every episode. If you can share this with a friend who might like this podcast, share it with them. We'd appreciate it. If you don't already subscribe, subscribe. If you can give us a rating or a review in your podcast catcher, podcaster thing of choice, please do so. Um, sign up for our emailing list because that'll be when the email list is the first group of people to really know when stuff happens. So if you really like the podcast, smart for you to join that as well. 
Um, and then last but not least, if you have any feedback on anything, my voice sounds too nasally. I'm speaking too close to the mic. Here's a way I could do it better. Episodes are too long. Episodes are too short. Here's a person I think you should get on the show. Tell me. You can reach me on Twitter, either on the podcast Twitter, which is The Start FM, or you can reach me on my Twitter, which is Patrick B. Johnson. So it's Patrick B. as in Boy Johnson. Or you can email me at info at the start.fm. Again, that's info at the start.fm. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is that if you want to give feedback, I will listen because I'm asking for it and I'd really appreciate it. And hopefully, and I'm leaving with this, um, this entire season I've had a polyp on my vocal cord, which has made me sound basically like a blues singer slash smoker with like a really raspy, rough voice. By this time next season, this voice should be buttery smooth because I'm getting surgery on my vocal cords uh, middle of July. I'm recording this on June 26th. So hopefully I won't sound as raspy. My voice won't be as dry and it'll be much more comfortable to speak. So I apologize if my voice was, for lack of better terms, shitty this season, but that should change. Anyways, I won't keep you men and women too much longer. Thank you for joining me on the season of the start. And shit, uh, have a good time. Until next season. <laughs>